there was nothing else they thought they could do. They gave me six months to live. It, it was a really tough time for me and the family, but I needed to go through that. So they book you all up, go into the MRI machine, and for 45 minutes, all I did was pray. I just repented. I, I was so ashamed of who I was and how I lived my life all those years that now I'm in this machine with six months to live and no solution, no way out. So I just sat there and I said, God, I've, I've totally messed this up. I haven't done anything for you. I've done everything for myself. I've never made you a priority. I'd like to change. I remember being very specific and praying for, I wanted to be a good husband. I wanted to be a father, even though I knew that probably was never gonna happen. I wanted to be a better person and I wanted to follow Christ. Well, Javier, I, uh, I'm excited to have you on the podcast, man. You and I have been friends for, for quite some time already. That's uh, right. We've been hanging out for, for a while. Uh, and I remember the first time I had you over to my house. Uh, I, I remember I was, I was here like, what, like a month into, yep. the, into, into being at Gladio. And I was like, hey, this looks like a, this looks like a cool guy to, to hang out with. And I invited you over to my house. And uh, I remember you told me a story at that point uh, that really impacted me because uh, you, you've, you've gone through a lot of struggles in your life. Uh, specifically as it relates to health and as it relates to, to to God intervening in that. And I know that that played a particular role in your salvation story. And so uh, can you kind of walk us through that story of of how that began? Share that same story with us of of how God impacted your life and and how did that lead to you coming to Christ at that point? Yeah, I got it. I remember that uh, that night coming over. Food was amazing. Yes. So thank you and your family. My wife. Uh, we had a wonderful time. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so... Uh, so my story is interesting because mm. I feel that, you know, when 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 we hear and we and we understand that God goes God calls calls you and 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 really goes after you to to bring them to Him, mm-hmm. that's kind of what happened to me in my story. Mm. Uh, so I lived in the world, um, went to college, got a job, mm-hmm. everything was awesome, um, and I really didn't have God as a priority in my life. Um, and then here's where God, you know, starts calling you. So I get the news that um, that I have uh, melanoma in my in my face. Mm-hmm. So it starts with just a, a dot mm-hmm. right in my face. And yeah. I went to a doctor, and they said, "Oh, it's just a it's just a birthmark. It's nothing." Mm. Um, but as time goes by, that birthmark starts growing larger and larger. And I knew it was a problem when there's blood starting to come out of it. Um, that's that's what my mom said. You definitely need to go get that checked out for yeah. like the second time. Uh, so went to a uh, a, a specialist mm-hmm. that really dealt with that because the first time we went to a family doctor. Okay. And the specialist, as soon as I walked in, uh, knew exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. And he's like, listen, before you leave, um, I need to take a sample out of that. So they did. They took a sample. And to no surprise, it came back with uh, melanoma. And there's different stages of it. There's one through four. Mm-hmm. And it was diagnosed as four. Wow. Um, so devastating news. That's the worst. Okay. That is the worst kind. Uh, devastating to me at the time. Um, I had recently met who is now my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she starts the journey with me. And this is how we start our relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so that turns into going to the Moffitt Cancer Center. Because mm-hmm. my family's from the Tampa area father's doctor and he said that's where you're gonna go that's the best place um so it started with one surgery on the face um after that i did some chemotherapy so that's when i got my second surgery which is the port in the chest so anybody who's had Mm -hmm. uh cancer knows that one of the first things you do is you get a port 
mm-hmm. because you're going to start getting pumped with all kinds of chemicals and yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that that's that's where they input all of the medicines and stuff. Okay. Correct. Correct. Yeah, so it'll keep sticking you in the in the arm. Right. If not, you would have stuff all over your face. Got it. So Got it. um so that so we do that. Uh did the chemotherapy, mm-hmm. uh, go back for follow-ups, and they said, We think we got everything. Okay. Well, fast forward, and this all happened in like two thousand and seven. Okay. Uh and then after that, we find out that the cancer had spread from the face to the neck area mm. so the neck area um i had to have a, a pretty large scar right mm. on my neck here where they took out all my lymph nodes mm. uh and that was a, a pretty tough time to go through with my wife my family yeah um and i still wasn't connecting to god through all this mm-hmm. i still had all my faith if you yeah. call it at that time in doctors and all that stuff mm-hmm. um so go through that uh that was that was a really tough time because that yeah. this was this was major. This was like I was in the hospital for a long time. Had to get all this kind of situated and be able to just be able to be normal again. Mm-hmm. Um, so do that. A couple of months go by, go get checked out again. And all these times, the when I say checked out, mm-hmm. they put you in MRI machines, PET scans, mm. uh, CT scans. It's just scan after scan after scan. Wow. It's nerve wracking. I mean, nobody likes to be at the doctor. I can imagine. Yeah. Well, I had a, you know, I, I was there all the time. Yeah. So then, uh, then we get the news mm-hmm. that the cancer had spread to one of my ribs. Oh wow! So we went from face, neck, to the rib, mm-hmm. and now it's on one of my ribs. So the solution for that was to have another surgery, mm. where they came in through the back. So I have another big scar in my back. Mm-hmm. Took out um, two or three ribs. So now I have three new fake ribs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was also a very long recovery to come yeah. after that. And we thought we were good. Uh, but of course, uh, a few months later, when we do all those round of scans again, mm. we find out that now the cancer has spread to my pelvis area. Wow. And that's where things, I mean, as in things weren't bad enough. Yeah. This is where things really got bad mm-hmm. because now it's, you might never walk again. Wow. Um, the solutions that we have you might not ever have children again mm. because it's in a sensitive area. Right. So the solution for that is surgery because mm-hmm. it's cancer keeps spreading. We'll take part of your pelvic bone, wow. remove it, put a mesh and hold everything together. Mm-hmm. Hope that you can walk again. And then we're going to give you radiation because we got to stop the spread. Yeah. Um, so went through all of that. And I think at that time, so this all started I think I said 07-ish. This is all happening over the course of a few years. And meeting my wife and her family, Mm -hmm. uh, they they grew up a Christian family. I grew up in a Catholic home. Okay. So I knew God, Mm -hmm. but I didn't have a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And this is where things really changed in my life. This is why I feel like God came calling for me. I, I think that he used the cancer. He used my wife. But that's how I started connecting and having a relationship just coming to Glavie Church and mm-hmm. doing things like that. Yeah. Um, and then there was a moment where, like, this is where I really had my first connection, mm. which is after that surgery, after the radiation, after all the treatments that I had, um, went in, and the doctor said, we think there might be more, maybe in your knee, wow. maybe it's spreading. And at this point, I'm sitting in the room, they have the tissues, and the doctors are saying, we got nothing else. Yeah. Um, 
fam- my mom's crying, my sister, my my wife is crying, everybody's crying. My sister was there, she's crying. Mm-hmm. And um, and I said, Well, hold on a second, like I'm still here. Yeah, I'm still alive. What's next? There's gotta be something else. Mm-hmm. So they said, Well, there is this thing called immunotherapy. We could try it, see mm-hmm. how it goes. I said, like, Great, let's go do it. Uh, out of everything I've done to include the surgeries, that was the worst. Wow. That is, you go into a hospital. You get injected with basically chemo three times a day. Mm-hmm. Off on the weekend, go back and do it again. Wow. Did that for four weeks. Um, in between all that, my family had gotten, like, medication from overseas. Mm-hmm. You know, at this point, there was nothing else they thought they could do. Right. They gave me six months to live. Wow. Um, That's hard to hear. It is. It, it was a really tough time for me and the family. But I needed to go through that. Okay. Uh, because I... I, I what that did is it brought me so close to God that after I went through the immunotherapy, um, and anybody who's been to, again, an MRI machine, they know that when you go through them, it's the, the, uh, the, the what do they call the, the magnets. There's yeah. magnets, yeah. and it's super loud. It's like, I'm not going to make the sounds, but <laughs> it's super loud. Um, so what they do is they give you headphones like these, okay. and they say, what do you want to listen to? Mm-hmm. You know, you listen to classical music, hip hop, I don't know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that last time I said, I don't want music. Mm-hmm. I just, I want to be in the machine by myself. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you're going to be in there for 45 minutes and you're not going to listen to anything? And I said, mm-hmm. yep, that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay. So they put you, they hook you all up, put you on the, on, the, on the table, you go into the MRI machine. And for 45 minutes, all I did was pray. All I did was pray. I'll never forget it. And what I prayed was just, I just understanding what this means now. I, I just repented. I, I was so ashamed of who I was mm-hmm. and how I lived my life all those years mm-hmm. that now I'm in this machine with six months to live mm-hmm. and no solution, no way out. Mm-hmm. So I just sat there and I said, God, I've, I've totally messed this up. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't, I haven't done anything for you. Yeah. I've done everything for myself and for my family, but I've never made you a priority. Mm. I'd like to change that. Wow. And uh, I did that for 45 minutes just constantly, mm-hmm. just repenting. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to I do better. I want to I serve you. I want to do things so much better. And, and I remember being very specific in praying for, I want it to be a good husband. I wanted to be a father, mm. even though I knew that probably was never going to happen. Yeah. I wanted to be a better person, and I wanted to follow Christ. Mm. I mean, it, it came down to that. It, those are the things that I just kept praying over and over and over again. I'll never forget that. Um, so the testing's done. Go home, come back, and then go back into the doctor's office, and the doctor says, he was looking at all the, all the reports, and he goes, so I know you're doing the interleukin. Mm-hmm. What else did you do? And I'm like, oh, well, my mother-in-law, she brought some medicine from overseas. We tried that. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, what kind of medicine was that? Mm-hmm. And so I was asking all these questions. And I said, well, I, I think it's called whatever, mm-hmm. scorpion venom. I don't even know what it was. <laughs> and he goes, well, I'm asking because we got your results. Mm-hmm. We've checked everything five times. Mm-hmm. And you don't have anything. Wow. Your cancer is gone. Wow. Where we thought it was, it's gone. 
Mm-hmm. So we like to know what, you know, <laughs> what did you do? Now, at that moment, uh-huh. I knew what happened. Yeah. You know, I, I prayed to God. I, I asked God for basically a second chance mm-hmm. to redo everything. Yeah. And um, praise God. Here I am. Mm. So what, what that did is it, it eliminated the cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no more cancer. So now God changed my life. Wow. Um, so change my priorities, change what I would do every day. Yeah. Hey, I hope you are enjoying today's episode. If you are getting value out of this episode, let me ask you to just take a moment. And if you're watching on YouTube to hit that subscribe button and hit the bell icon so you can be notified of all of the different updates and videos that we post on this channel. Without further ado, let's continue to listen in on this conversation. Um, so, so, so coming out of that, like yeah. that's that's a big deal, man. Yeah, getting six months to live and then being told you're free of cancer. Like, uh, how did you react to that? As far as like doubting, and I'm sure there was there was uh, there was some logical part of you that thought, well, maybe it was this, maybe it was that. You know, I I've heard stories before of people yeah. who 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 make deals with God. Like, let's let's let's, let's put it that way, right? Yeah. And uh, eventually, little by little, what starts to happen is they start thinking, well, maybe it wasn't God. Maybe it was that scorpion thing. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe it was. <laughs> um, but uh, what I've come to realize is is that, okay, let's say it was, right? It doesn't stop that from being God who intervened right. in your life. And, uh, man, sometimes sometimes we look at miraculous stories like that and and we we tend to use logic to to kind of push those things away. But we don't realize that that God is still in the business of healing people. Yeah. You know, Jesus Jesus came to heal the sick, to 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 open the eyes of the blind, to to do all these things, and and God still has the power to do that. God hasn't changed; He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and He has the power to heal. And so, man, sometimes we trust in physicians, and and that's good. I mean, general revelation, like the knowledge that God gives them, is is great. It's good that we know how to do those things, but but ultimately, our dependence is on God, right? Yeah. And so talk to me about those uh, those next few months after you, you got healed. Uh, how, how did that how did that commitment to God uh, play out in your life? Yeah. So growing up and, and you know going to college and do you learn to be logical mm-hmm. and everything and you yeah. learn to make good decisions and going through that uh, medical process for years. Mm-hmm. Um, when it got to that point, similar to the day when I was saved. There was no questioning. Like, there was zero doubt in my mind that this was God working through all these situations mm-hmm. to bring me closer to him, to bring me to Jesus, to to understand that that I was living a, a, a life of sin and I needed to become a man of light mm-hmm. because there was so much darkness in my life. So so I, I had a full understanding that there was nothing to question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just knew it because... Yeah. It, it my prayer was so it was so connecting and, and i i just i didn't doubt mm-hmm. i didn't worry about it if it was a scorpion venom or anything like that <laughs> i knew a hundred percent that who had intervened in my life mm-hmm. was god mm-hmm. there was no doubt yeah. um so the changes in my life since then um i knew that that i had to I had to tell the whole world, right? Like I had to, I yeah. had to let people know. Look, this is what this is what Jesus can do for anybody. He's right. done it for me. He can do it for for anybody else. And um, since then, I I've really spent my time and and tried to to disciple people that mm-hmm. really need it. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
obviously I, cancer's I, all over the place, you know. I, I want to get into that, okay. especially discipleship, and because yeah, I know yeah. that's a big part of what you do today. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, in the ministries that you run and the things that you that you help us here in our church, but I I, I know that that wasn't your salvation story. That was a that was that was a moment where God was drawing you near to Himself, and gotcha. and it's it's kind of yeah, like yeah. that moment where you realize that you don't have all the answers, and it's right. a moment of surrender. But I know that there was a moment where uh, somebody came to you and specifically shared the gospel with you and helped you to understand maybe some of those ideas that you thought you had and kind of helped you to make sense of that. Yeah. And so talk to me about that experience. Okay. So becoming a new believer, basically. So I I realized this has happened. I'm now a follower. I want to learn more. Yeah. Um, So through the church, I was able to do the new 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 uh, believers class, and I really started digging into the Bible and into mm-hmm. the gospel and understanding all those things. Um, really start stopped sitting in the back of church, sitting mm-hmm. in the front of church, and really understanding what the pastor is sharing and mm-hmm. understanding everything. Um, well, before, I, I I would go and I would just sit there and I wouldn't have a connection. Well, now there's a connection happening. Mm-hmm. Now there's now there's, I want to get more involved. I, I want to learn more. I want to do as much as I can mm. to try to get closer. So that's how I started getting more involved in just different aspects of the church. Yeah. Um, and throughout that process, of course, any good pastor is going to say, well, you know, we got this, this new believer. They, mm-hmm. they're, they're hungry. They have this fire, you know, and it, I think it's great that they want to help the church, mm-hmm. but we need to find out where they're at. You know, I think it's one of the things that we always look for in, in, in disciples, and we'll get there. But yeah. so what happened then is um, the pastor at the time, uh, Pastor Michael Rodriguez, mm-hmm. uh, he had reached out to my family, and he said, hey, you know, Javier, you know, is 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 he saved? Is mm-hmm. he, you know, does he have Jesus in heart? Does he fully understand that? Yeah. And uh, my own family is like, you know, we're not sure. I don't think he's ever accepted Jesus in his heart, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so Michael said, well, can we schedule something where I can go to his house, you know, to you and your family and yeah. talk to him and, you know, pray with him and see where he's at. Um, so my wife calls me and says, Hey, just so you know, uh, pastor Michael wants to come over later today. Yeah. Uh, he wants to have dinner with us at our house. And mm-hmm. I'm like, really? Pastor Michael wants to come over and, <laughs> you know, he lives in Miami. We're in Pembroke Pines, Florida. Like he's going to drive all the way up there yeah. to have, I mean, that's super nice. I appreciate that. But. Yeah. Interesting. She goes, yeah, yeah. She, they just him and his wife. They just want to hang out with us. And I said, okay. Got off the phone, and I continue working, normal day. But I just keep thinking about that, mm. and I don't know what it was, man. It's it's just like something was like preparing me for that yeah. conversation. You know, we all know what it is now, but that I'm just describing how I felt back then. And then you know, I finish work, drive home. The whole drive home, I'm like. Pastor Michael's coming over, you know, like, <laughs> why? And, you know, and, and I get home, we talk, have some food, and then we're sitting around the table. And I'll never forget it. Uh, it was November 13th of 2012. And, you know, we're sitting just like we are now. And Michael says, hey, man, I got to ask you. If you died today, where would you go? Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, naive. I'm like, well, I think I'm going to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. And he goes, how, how can you be sure? And I'm like, I don't know. How are you sure? Yeah. And that's when we, he introduced the gospel to me. And mm. um, we sat and he goes, you want me to pray for you? And I said, no, Michael, I, I think I like to pray. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I, I think I like to, to be the one to do that. So yeah. I prayed with Pastor Michael. And then he asked me, he said, if you died today, where would you go? 
I said, I would go to heaven. Mm. He goes, how do you know you're going to go to heaven? I'm like, because I have Jesus Christ in my heart. Mm. And I know that he died for me for all my sins, and he's resurrected for me. Yeah. And that was the day that I um, accepted Jesus in my heart. Wow. So that's, that's from the cancer, being the cancer, to now being 100% saved. Praise God, man. So that's about Amen. five years. Five years. Five-year process, man. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes we think it's like from the night to the morning, right? Yeah. But, but sometimes it's a process. It's a process of identifying who needs to hear Jesus, who needs to hear about Jesus. And, yeah. you know, sometimes in our lives, we have those people who we assume are saved. Right. Like, I mean, you were going to church. You were yeah. sitting closer to the front. You were trying to do, get involved in the church. And sometimes we, we assume that people like that are saved, right? Right. And we never take that time to ask. We never take that, that moment of, of, of coming alongside of you and saying, hey, let's have dinner together. Yeah. Let's talk about your eternal destiny, which is kind of a big deal, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's, it's the it's, biggest deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a life and death situation. Yeah. And, and sometimes we just take it for granted. We yeah. assume that the people around us are saved. We assume that just because people have been in church for a long time that ah, they, they must be saved. We never go and ask them the question, are you saved? Like, have you re- received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And man, that's that that's an awesome thing that Michael did for you because that helped you to understand now the gospel. That that's part of discipleship. You yeah. know, sometimes we look at, at discipleship as like the classes we have to take and the the knowledge that we need to have, but sometimes it's just taking time out and sitting with somebody and yeah. talking to them about their faith and helping them to grow in their faith. Yeah. And that's awesome what he did for you. Hey, thank you so much for sticking around to the end of that episode. I hope you got value out of that. As always, please make sure to rate and review us on whatever podcasting platform you're watching this on. And if you'd like to partner with us on Patreon, you can do so with the link on our bio. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you all next week.